listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. What's up, Lakers fans? Recording this just after the Lakers get a 113-106 win over the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, impressive win overall, I would say, especially that uh, the the way the, the team was shooting. But looking at it as well, 8-0 on the road so far this season. Uh, so credit goes to Frank Vogel and, and the players. Don't forget, before we jump into things, subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. Catch us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're there. And of course, check out silverscreenandroll.com throughout the season for all your Lakers needs. Joining me, one of the people responsible for, do we say some of the magic or most of the magic? We will, we'll, we'll say most of the magic, Sabrina at Silver Screen and Roll. Uh, what's going on, Sabrina Merchant? I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, you know, always a good time after the Lakers win, especially a good, you know, fun win like this one. Well, yeah, I was in. A, I was going to say that too. Like, you know, obviously, and and we'll jump into this a little bit later on. I'm looking at this like, okay, this is like the Lakers, the Bucks, and and the, you know, the game that they played in the 2019-20 regular season at Staples Center had like this anticipation and this drama, and you could feel like the energy in the crowd, and I'm sure you could feel it when you're watching on on TV. And I was at that game covering it. And then I'm watching this one. I'm like, ah, this seems kind of flat for two of like the best teams in the NBA, but it's the best we could do. Uh, really impressed in this game with with AKCP a seven to ten from the field, seven to ten from the three point line. But uh, LeBron James also really asserted himself. Uh, Thirty four points, eight assists, six boards. Also had uh, twelve points in the fourth quarter. The, the Bucks got it down to two uh, late, but I mean, you know, they just couldn't get all the way up. What, what were your kind of your main takeaway from from this win in in Milwaukee? It's strange. Uh, you know, you mentioned that game they played last year in March, uh, right before the league shut down. And it felt like the Lakers had to bring out their very best to beat the Bucks that day. And that was at home, you know, and it still felt like it hung in the balance and everything had to go right, you know, for the Lakers to win. And today I thought they were far from their best. They were sloppy. Um, they messed up a bazillion transition possessions. They had weird rotations on defense uh, they got stagnant on offense in the fourth quarter and they still won like comfortably, not comfortably. Like obviously the, you know, bucks very much had a chance to get back in there at the end of it, but I'm not sure if that's a reflection of the fact that like the bucks aren't as good as they were last year. The Lakers are better than they were last year or that, you know, it's just like you said, the energy wasn't there for this game in the same way that it was for that March game. But I come out of this feeling pretty good about the Lakers. You know, the fact that they, uh, when they decide that they want to, you know, flip that dial and actually try, like it's gosh darn, this is a good team. I know. And that's what, that's what I was, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, you know, it was, it was impressive in the sense that they didn't seem like they were going all out. Now, like you, you refer back to that, that March game um, of, of 20 of 2020 where they played the bucks at, at Staples center. And it was like, you know, you could tell they were, they were coming out and the energy was there and the, you know, there's chest pounding and, and, you know, everybody was into it. It was loud. And, and then you watch this game and it kind of just felt a little bit like, like you're saying the Lakers weren't fully there. Like, I don't think they were fully engaged for the whole 48 minutes. Obviously they were when they needed to be uh, needed to be part of me, but, and I think that's where, that's where kind of, I'm, I'm looking at this right now. I'm like, okay, these guys have, have managed to beat, you know, maybe Brooklyn's bumped them now, but, you know, one of the best teams in in the East or, you know, definitely a championship contender coming into the year. And they made, they did kind of make it look easy. And, 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 you know, we saw, you know, like I said, KCP had a, had a, had a nice outing. Uh, Montrez Harrell looked good off the bench. He had that one stretch there where he was just kind of dunking everything and, and, and going around. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm looking at this and, and, and I'm, I'm saying to myself, like, okay, the Lakers are sitting 12 and four again, ha- haven't looked like to me, like they've played their best game, like a complete game of the season um in in quite some time maybe you know that uh, the the beat down they put on Dallas in in 
on Christmas was pretty impressive. Uh, they mm -hmm. also, you know, they, they smashed Minnesota, a short-headed Minnesota team a couple of nights later, but you're looking at this and it's like, they're not really kind of trying fully yet. So like, wh what are you hoping you could see from this team to, for them to maybe get to another level as the season wears on? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think LeBron James is pretty much exactly how you want him to be. Like uh, I thought he was a little bit off against the Warriors, but it was probably the first time all season that I thought he didn't have the right energy, you know, coming into a game and the Lakers obviously felt it like he was sub 20 points that night didn't end up going in their favor, but he, you know, he talked a lot last year about how he didn't understand the MVP voting and it clearly meant something to him. The Giannis finished in front of him. And I mean, the guy played 38 minutes today. Like we've talked a lot about how LeBron has been averaging a career low minutes total, how his usage is down. Like he plays 38 minutes. He puts up 25 shots. <laughs> like this game clearly meant something to him and the level that LeBron's been playing at, like they're, it's unbelievable considering that he's in his 18th year, the turnaround that the Lakers had coming into this season. Like he's obviously where the Lakers need him to be. That extra juice that you're looking for has to come from Anthony Davis. Um, I know his stat line looks pretty good. You know, 18 points, nine rebounds, six assists, like that passing keeps getting better and better. Um, I tweeted this last week that I wasn't concerned with Anthony Davis's free throw shooting yet, but I was annoyed. I'm increasingly annoyed. <laughs> you know? uh, two of five from the line is just, is not good. And he's taken a lot of jumpers that I think are, I don't know. They just feel like shots where he's settling, where he could be doing more. Um, and he's just not as effective as you'd want him to be. There are possessions on defense where it's unclear what he's doing. Like he bought a Giannis pump fake from the three point line near the end of that game. Like why are you running Giannis Antetokounmpo off the three-point line and letting him get an open lane to the basket, right? Like just little things that Anthony Davis hasn't quite been fully engaged in. Um, I know that like center Anthony Davis is a different level that gets activated in the postseason, and we expect him not to look his peak self just because he's not playing his best position, but it's still like, it's a little frustrating to watch him not bring the same level that LeBron does because I mean, he's 28 years old. Like this is his time. We talked a lot preseason about how, He's the one that could be contending for MVP awards. He's the one who could be contending for defensive player of the year. And once again, LeBron James is saying, no, this is still my team. <laughs> yeah. He's not, yeah. Really he's not good. giving out that up yet. Right. Yeah. Um, just that level of consistency has not been there from Anthony Davis. And I think if you're looking for ways where the Lakers can sort of just like engage another level, it starts and ends with Anthony. It's interesting. You're saying that. Cause I noticed that last season, I mean, you're, you're going back again to quite a long time ago now, just given the, the break that we had with the, with the pandemic and, and everything. And I noticed that with AD as well. Like when, when he first came and, and the first um, you know, it's not like the Lakers were, were terrible, you know, going into uh, starting off the season part of me when, when, when he first came, I mean, I think they won um, seven of the first eight games, but uh, you know, there was moments where I'd look at AD and I'd be like, okay, he's settling. Right. Like he's mm -hmm. settling for jumpers and especially that turnaround in the post where I, I he's confident he's going to out jump his, his defender. He's going to create enough space when he, especially when he faces up and squares up to the hoop with his, you know, originally with his back to the basket. And mm -hmm. then I found that he's settling a little bit too much for those. So to me, I agree with you. I mean, you'd like to see AD assert himself a little bit more, maybe give LeBron a little bit of more of a, of a break. But again, we're 16 games into a season where, where they're coming off a championship and and they're probably looking at like I, like you mentioned. I mean, there's still another gear that this team is going to hit. They're only sitting four and four at home right now, which you know is obviously not impressive. But I mean, you're looking at it and saying, okay, let let's see what these guys are going to be able to do when when they do get those extended um, 
home homestands that they're going to get, you know, with the condensed schedule. And, and you know, they went 25, uh, 25 and 10 overall last year at home too. So it's like, I'm expecting them to get to another gear, but I think that's where we're at with AD. And, and you mentioned, you know, him being, being not playing his, his natural position and, and kind of looking, um, maybe a little less comfortable with, with Marcus all next to him. That's another guy I want to talk about as well is, is Marcus all eventually going to start resembling a little bit more of the player we saw with the Raptors, or is this like, okay, he's just kind of, he's, he's too old and maybe the system and the style the Lakers play, he's not going to be a good fit because right now, I mean, I haven't seen enough from him, uh, especially on the offensive end to be like, okay, this is going to be a long-term fit next to AD, especially come playoff time. Honestly, I feel like Mark's been great. I mean, I just don't think that the Lakers ask him to do very much. You know, if yeah. you're going to put the ball in his hands and have him direct the offense from the top of the key, then he's going to be able to find cutters. Like there were even possessions today where he had the ball late in the shot clock and he hit LeBron, you know, for a, a dunk when LeBron came, uh, I think is streaking in from the corner. Yeah. So like he can still do things. He's just like one of those connectors who makes the offense run. Uh, I do wish that he was just a little bit more assertive with his three-point shot because he's going to get those looks. And it's important that he makes the defenses treat him like a shooter because he's got good enough form. You know, he's going to make like 35 plus percent of those. So that's really the only thing is I wish that he were taking more of those shots, but like we knew that he wasn't going to be like a day in day out, excellent presence, right? Like at his age, this stage of his career, He's a matchup specific guy and the Lakers got him because they needed somebody to fill that Dwight Howard role to guard, you know, the bulky centers when you get to play Joel Embiid or Nicole Jokic or I guess DeAndre Ayton, you know? Yeah. Um, so I just don't think that like Gasol's value is going to show up every single game because the Lakers don't, for one, they don't, you know, give him that much responsibility. And two, like he's just a more specific type of player at this point where he's very useful in certain matchups and not others. And I just think like, he's just solid defensively enough to where like, he's, he's good to have out there, whether it's like his matchup or not. Like even today, uh, there was a point, I think it was in the, was it the first or second half where um, the Lakers like had a bad turnover and uh, you know, the bucks are coming down on the break and Mark is sort of like behind the play, but he like just jumps back into it and ends up, you know, causing a deflection. And it's like, I didn't even know he had that speed to sort of get back on the break anymore, but uh, he he just does a lot of little things. I don't, I don't expect him to like pop at all. You know, I'm waiting for that first Philly game to see if Gasol and Bede is still a thing that works in Gasol's favor. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think he's been fine. Like I just, I didn't expect more of him, you know? Yeah. I, I, I'm just looking at it long-term and it's interesting the way you mentioned that with um, you know, we saw Dwight take over that role last, you know, in the playoffs, especially where, where Vogel kind of just changed everything up and said, you know what? Uh, Jokic seems to be having a harder time with Dwight. Let, let, let's go with that matchup. And I think that's what we're going to see from Gasol next to AD, right? Like if you're playing against somebody who is um, a non-traditional big, like, you know, the, a team goes with somebody a little bit smaller at the five, then I don't think Gasol is going to get, like you mentioned, I don't think he's going to get much run. I think you're going to be looking at him um, probably playing, you know, maybe spot minutes, like, you know, between six and 10, where if somebody needs a, needs a quick breather, but that you know, I, I, it's it's interesting to see because I, I think that with Gasol too, just with his his, um, the way he thinks the game and the, his mental outlook on it, he's he's going to be good and and effective for small spurts of of uh, you know any matchup the the Lakers are playing. But long term wise, I'm I am interested to see how that's going to be a fit, especially on the offensive end um, next to AD. Let, let's jump into a couple more things. We'll we'll do that after a short break. All right, and we're back. Uh, going back to what you were mentioning, uh, we were talking about the the AD Marcus All kind of the 
the tandem and how it's going to work out in, in the long term. When you're looking at, at the some of the other uh, bench guys now, you're looking at it. I mean, the Lakers don't really have a, a traditional big other than other than Gasol. I mean, you're looking at Harrell, who, who's more of a, a power forward role and and uh, Morris as well can, can play that. Uh, what were your thoughts on on Harrell in, in this game against the Bucks? Like I said, he, he's an energy guy. He's not going to I don't think he's going to put up you know, 18, 19 points a game, but he had, he had 12 and five today. Uh, do you think he's starting to look a little bit more comfortable in, in his role with the Lakers overall? Yeah. Trez is just interesting because once again, like he comes from a situation where the Clippers put the ball in his hands a lot more and gave him a lot more offensive responsibility. And he was closing games and he had just huge minutes, you know, loads with the Clippers. And it's obviously not the case with the Lakers. Like they barely run anything for him. His job is like to, you know, grab offensive rebounds, set hard screens. Like it's not even clear if the ball's going to come back to him when he rolls, you know, he has to get a lot of his buckets just through like garbage plays really like, you know, just cleaning up the glass or like finding loose balls and things like that. Just, he has to use his energy to create plays. And I'm honestly been like fairly impressed with the fact that he has still brought the same level of energy, despite the fact that he hasn't been given, you know, the, the role that I'm sure he would have hoped for coming into free agency this off season. So, uh, I did like that, you know, the Lakers sort of let him work in isolation a little bit in the fourth quarter uh, when, you know, um, he was posted up on DiVincenzo on one possession and then Patrick, uh, Pat Connaughton on the very next play. And he like, you know, spun by DiVincenzo on one and then took a floater on Pat in the next play. And it's like, yeah, there's definitely times when you can give Trez the ball and let him work. And with a space floor, he obviously is very capable of scoring in isolation. Um, but I think uh the thing with Trez is always going to be like, can he hang on the floor defensively? And I thought he had some good moments today. You know, like he drew that charge on uh, Giannis in the third quarter or fourth quarter, the one that they ended up reviewing and got overturned so that it ended up being a charge. Uh, he like drew a flagrant from Giannis on the first half, right? Like where he yeah. took that elbow. And I think it's like the like third or fourth time in like the past week that Montrez has taken an elbow from somebody. Like he really puts his body on the line. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there are situations where like, you know, if there's a, a team that runs a lot of pick and roll, you're not going to want him in those defensive situations. Like you saw Portland and the Warriors kind of expose him, but like the Bucks don't do that much. And I thought he, he hung just fine, right? Like he's strong. He boxes out. He is, you know, can contend in space. So yeah, I, I thought this was a good dress game. Like the stats might not bear it out, but uh, played hard. And, you know, that's really all you can hope for. So Brian, I got to ask you this since you were like, you're not just a, you know, you're not just a, a California NBA, you know, uh, knowledgeable, you know, writer, you you know about the entire league. So, what do you think of Milwaukee? Because I, I was thinking this watching them too. I'm like, you know, they're they're now nine and six on the season. Their, their point mm-hmm. differential, I still I believe, is is second behind the Lakers overall. But um, right. you know, they've had some big big blowouts in their wins. But um, what do you think of this team? Because now you got you got the Nets, and obviously you're gonna and that that still is gonna be an experiment. We're gonna have to see how it works out between KD, Harden, and 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 Kyrie. Um, you know, the Celtics are looking good. Philly's looking a lot better or, or overall, you know, compared to what we've seen in terms of consistency over the past couple of seasons. But do you still consider the Bucks as the team in the East? Or was it like, I, I don't know, because I a part of me felt this when when they made that when the Nets made that trade for Harden. I'm like, does Giannis know what he's going to be up against now? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to be like they had those chances that the loss of the Raptors a couple of years ago, you know, in, in the 2019 uh, playoffs where the Raptors just put the wall up and, and, you know, figure out how to stop them. And then, you know, last season too, it was like, okay, this will be the year and they're in the bubble that, okay, the bucks are going to make it. They just don't look like as dominant as a team as it did two years ago, but I don't even think right now they're one of the top two or three teams in the East. Do, do you still think that they have it and it's going to take some time to get it together? 
I would say they still have a top two roster in the East. I would put them in the Nets talent-wise ahead of all of the other teams in the Eastern Conference. The problem is I just don't trust Mike Budenholzer to get the best out of that roster because like we've seen time and again, he doesn't make adjustments. Uh, he, I don't, I don't even know like what they're running on offense half the time, but just give the ball he, to Giannis and just, yeah, you have that so much talent, right? You've got Middleton who's, <laughs> just an incredibly tough player to guard. Like I thought the Lakers did a great job on him and still, he's still sort of like quietly ended up with 20 points and seven assists, right? Like he's really good. Holiday was really good. You know, he was getting into the paint at will against the Lakers. Um, and then Giannis is obviously really good. And like, I, I, again, I don't think that there's a team other than the nets that can match them like down up and down the roster, that level of talent, but it's just, we've seen it too many times, like not even just with the bucks but with the Hawks too. Like he doesn't adjust. He, um, keeps the same scheme over and over again and just sort of like begs his players to figure it out. And like, if they did like, you know, that David Blatt, Ty Lue situation in Milwaukee where like somebody yeah. came in as an assistant, like I feel so much better about this team, but for some reason they were just going down with the ship. And like, that's, that's the reason why I don't think that they're really a threat to the Lakers or, you know, really to any team in the East. Yeah. Cause I, I was thinking that watching and, and you mentioned this earlier in the podcast, like, yeah, the Lakers, I mean, they won and it's always a, a pretty impressive win when you're beating the Bucks on the road, you know, especially mm-hmm. with the, t- the team they have with the last couple of seasons. But I, I thought the same thing as you, I'm like the Lakers had stretches where they played hard and they, you know, they were getting things right. And you could tell like, you know, the, okay, you're, you're seeing signs of the, of the very good of the high end Lakers in terms of, you know, when they're bringing their effort and their execution is on point. And then there were stretches where you're like, this Lakers look like they're kind of sleepwalking through this and the Bucks couldn't take advantage of it. And I'm with you too. And I'm like, I don't really know what, what kind of system they're running in, ter- in terms of, it, it seems like they're playing a lot of ISO ball, even though they might not have guys who are best suited to play isolation basketball. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's going to be something that, that they're going to have to figure out there. Uh, I also want to ask you about this. Now we're looking at, we're looking at the Lakers coming up schedule. Uh, it, it's not, hard let's be let's be reasonable i mean, I mean there's I, some good games coming up well okay you got philly coming up uh you know yeah. in, in the 27th next week boston should be a good one on the 30th denver on the fourth and then after that you got like this the lakers can go on a good little 11 and 1 12 and 2 run here don't you think over the time because they're going against a lot of those east teams and i'm not sold on on um you know atlanta figuring things out sooner than later or anything like that it's like you got a couple of matchups against denver coming up and other than that, it's a pretty easy schedule until you get to February 18th. So just under a month from now, where, where they where they go against uh, Brooklyn. Yeah, I'm a I'm a little more concerned about this East Coast trip than you seem to be. Um, the Lakers did not handle Chicago very well when they played in Staples Center. Admittedly, KCP and Anthony Davis are both missing in that game. And Anthony Davis, Scott, he just loves playing in Chicago when they go on the road. So hopefully that holds up, even if fans even if no are not there. allowed in the United <laughs> Center. Yeah, um, Cleveland is a much in more interesting team, I think, than they're being given credit for. Obviously, they had that fantastic win against the yeah. Nets last night. Um, but that's a really solid defensive team. You know, they can just put up a wall around the basket with Allen and McGee and Drummond. Um, and, you know, like even Larry Nance at the four, too. Like, that's some solid rim protection. So, they're, like, in Philadelphia, you know, that's Ben Simmons is a guy that gives the Lakers a lot of difficulty. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum have given the Lakers a lot of difficulty over the years. So, there are uh, interesting games on this trip. I honestly, I thought like if the Lakers went five and two on it, I'd be really happy. Uh, so if you're saying like 11 and one over this next stretch, uh, clearly you're expecting more than I am. Uh, but yeah, I, I think like this, this trip is a good test. You know, there's a back-to-back snuggled in there with Detroit. Um, even Atlanta, like 
I'm thinking maybe it wasn't last year, but the year before, like Trey Young came into Los Angeles and they needed a Tyson Chandler almost goaltend to win that game. Uh, so there's there's some teams that could give the Lakers some uh, difficulty if they don't show up like they can. Wow, Sabrina, you're 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 taking the uh, you're you're taking the angle here that well, you know, these teams could test them. It's like ah, come you know, on. some yeah. disagreement <laughs> on the podcast is always a good thing. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm looking at this like I agree with you. You can you can have a difficult time with an opponent. The first, I'm just saying that overall, the Lakers, the way they look and how they're playing, um, and and how they've you know, other than that, really that that end of that third quarter or you know the last maybe 18 minutes of game against Golden State, they mm-hmm. look pretty damn good overall over the last you know you know coming up on a month now. I mean, they've only lost twice since December 30th. Um, that San Antonio game that they did lose, you know, we had we had done the podcast then. You mentioned well, it's the third third time they're playing them, um, you know, in a week. So ch- chances are it's going to be tough to beat. Uh, a mm-hmm. team three times in that stretch and, and and we saw that there too and then you're looking at this and you're like okay well yeah the lakers had a tough game that was off a of back-to-back against um against uh, uh against chicago when they, when they when they did host them there so it's like okay you're kind of giving the benefit of the doubt it's like i'm looking at this like they got another 13 or, or 13 games until we go against that brooklyn game two of them against denver again denver is a good team we'll we'll see what happens there but it's like yeah i'll, I'll give you the sixers but sure cleveland has had his moments and, and and the bulls you know gave him a little bit of the run for the money i also like the, the celtics as well but it's like the rest of those teams if the lakers play hard and good for about 25 30 minutes they should be able to win those games you know and, and i think that's what i'm looking forward to now the Lakers have won pretty easily. Like I mentioned, they have the best point differential in the NBA, uh, just under 10 points a game right now in terms of their winning margin um, so far through, you know, through their, through what, 16 games into the schedule. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, and these guys haven't even scratched the surface. If they want to go on a run here and really start to put some distance, I, I would say not between themselves and maybe a team like the Clippers who were expecting to be with them at the end. And obviously Utah's off to a good start, but if they want to put some separation between themselves and let's say the number four or five, six spots, uh, the next 13 games, they, they're going to have a damn good chance to do it. It's funny though, like with how good the Lakers are, you can look at any stretch of the schedule and be like, oh, Brooklyn and the Clippers aren't on it. Like that's an easy stretch of the schedule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Is that in balance with the rest. NBA though? Because I, I was thinking that too. I'm like, um, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself with my age here, but like I look back at the 90s. Sure, we always knew um, that Michael Jordan was was most likely going to be the one sitting at the sitting at the end with the, with the trophy in his hand. You know what I mean? Lifting the uh, uh, the Larry O'Brien trophy. And then you're looking at this and, and there was those two years where, where the Rockets won back to back where it's like, nobody knew who was going to win those seasons. You know what I mean? There was a lot of good teams, Utah, Seattle, uh, Houston, obviously was right there. Phoenix was very good. Uh, you had the Knicks, the, the Pacers. So you had a bunch of these, these, these really good teams, Orlando, obviously with, with the Shaq and Penny squads. And then, um, you're looking at it now and it's like in the NBA, it's like, okay, the Lakers, the Lakers are obviously the, the number one favorite, uh, Brooklyn going to be a work in progress. We, we touched on the Bucks being a work in progress. But again, those teams right now, to me, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, unless the Nets really figure it out, and obviously the Clippers have to prove uh, that they can win when when the stakes are the highest in the playoffs and not, and not choke away a 3-1 lead. It's like, is there anybody else really that you see that's going to even be standing there in the final four? Like, who, who are the four teams you would look at, um, excluding the Clippers, like in the West? Is there any other team that you think that could really give the Lakers a run for their money, assuming they're all healthy going into the playoffs? I think in any given year, there are about five teams that you would consider real contenders for the title. And last year, that number felt a little bit higher because we were in that post, you know, first year of post warriors and the league felt a little bit more wide open. Um, And this year, I think it's, I think it's four, you know, and it doesn't feel like it's that many less than it should be. You know, Um, it's, it's still right about in the same range. Uh, 
but yeah, this I, to me, it just feels like the league is always like this. Like there, there are about five teams who can make it and maybe somebody uh, surprises and makes like us, you know, an interesting conference finals run, sort of like how you saw with Denver last year um, or even Miami to that, because I did not think that they were one of the teams that was going to come yeah. for a title at the start yeah. of the season. Right. Yeah. So yeah, maybe it's like slightly more top heavy this year, but um, there also aren't like a lot of bad teams this year. So the records are going to be pretty compact and that might lead to some interesting things. If you know, home court ends up meeting anything during the playoffs. I just asked the basketball gods and the NBA gods, please don't let the Clippers choke this year and give us a Lakers Clippers conference final. I just, I want to see it. I have to see it. Um, I I'm saying that from a basketball standpoint, you know, like I want to see the best two teams play. And obviously we could say Denver was, you know, debatable whether they're a better regular season team, but in that series, yeah, they, they pulled it off and they won three games um, coming back from three, one down against a team that nobody thought they were going to do it again. So for me, it's like, that's mm-hmm. all I want to see at this point. It, they're all fun stories with Utah uh, Phoenix. I hope the Warriors do well. And, you know, even though they're missing clay that they can get into the playoffs and it's like, we're looking at like, Oh, and you remember going into the first round last season and everybody's like, Oh, Damian Lillard just, you know, lit up the, uh, lit up the, you know, the play-in games and, and, you know, he's going to give you a, Lake, a handful for the Lakers. It's like, no, no, he really wasn't. Then we said the same <laughs> thing about Houston and like, Oh, you know, James Harden, they got, they're playing small ball. They, maybe they're going to give the Lakers some fits. It's like, no, not really. Um, Denver had a couple of moments. And then, and then we saw what the Lakers did against the heat. And I remember, you know, being on the podcast, I, I think it was Sean Anthony that I'm like, no, the Miami's not going to beat the Lakers. I mean, unless a catastrophic injury happens to LeBron or AD, there's there's no way that these teams are going to lose in a seven game series. And I think that's where comes in the difference between, you know, the NBA and 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 Major League Baseball and 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 the NHL for that matter is like, okay, the playoff matchups are, you know, even in the first round could be a little bit closer. You yeah, of course you have teams who are favored, but you don't necessarily say, wow, the, you know, those teams are going to cakewalk. And to me, it's like, as long as the Lakers are, are healthy, they're going to cakewalk their way through the first two rounds of the Western Conference playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, I mean, I also thought that there was a gap last year between the LA teams and the rest of the West. Uh, mm-hmm. And it ended up being more profound, like, you know, on the Lakers side of things than I thought it would be because... Houston just sort of collapsed. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Lakers are definitely better relative to the West than they were last year. They're better than they were last year, just plain and simple. And to win a game like this in Milwaukee, where they were operating at, let's say, like 65% capacity, uh, is is a testament to that, you know, that they can go in on the road and uh and take care of, you know, Giannis and the rest of the Bucks. Like it was, it was a frustrating game, honestly, to watch, like for the first 20 minutes, because the Lakers were just not playing well. And then you go into halftime and it's like, oh, they're up six. Like, what is the deal with this team? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to be that guy and be like, it was an unimpressive, but still impressive win for the Lakers in a weird way. Like you said, like, I'm like, they're not really looking like they're giving it their all, but they still kept the team like the Bucks, pretty much at bay, you know, until that late fourth quarter run that they, 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 they got it within two. And then other than that, that was it. So, I mean, I, I'm interested to see when this team gets to that like the level they're, they're going to be at where they start kind of firing on all cylinders and, and they're getting to that point where their chemistry issues aren't there. Everybody kind of knows their role. Um, you know, guys like LeBron are, are picking up on LeBron and AD and, and, you know, they're picking up on, okay, this is what shooter likes to do. Uh, these are, these are Montrez Harrell's tendencies and, and you know, Marcus all likes the ball here. So I think once they get there, I, I think you're going to see the Lakers be on, go on one of those, like, you know, like they're going to win 10, 12 in a row then maybe lose one, then win another 10, 12 in a row. Like I, I, they're just so deep and so good. 
it's just hard for me to see how they're not the clear cut favorite at this point. And again, that's assuming right now um, that in, in, in Brooklyn between the Nets, um, uh, pardon me, between Kyrie, Katie and, uh, and Harden, that they just don't figure it out and go on a tear themselves. Yeah. I, I do have one question for you sort of regarding that Lakers depth. Uh, Frank has pretty much been going with a 10 man rotation whenever possible. Like that means that THT is out when everybody's healthy. Um, and obviously like there's been some chatter on the internet about this one particular Lakers lineup that does not look very good. It's the, yeah. the Wes, Coos, LeBron, Keefe and Montrez lineup, which saw the light of day again today in the second quarter. And I think it was only saved by the fact that LeBron was just hitting every shot that he could. Um, but it, there's kind of been this pattern where Frank like plays all 10 guys in the first half. One of them doesn't do very well. And then that guy doesn't play in the second half when he tightens it to nine. And today that was Wes Matthews, which was somewhat surprising because he, you know, is from Wisconsin. He played with the Bucks last year. You think this game would have been a little bit more important for him. Uh, I'm curious, do you think like this 10 man thing is still working for the Lakers or is there somebody who you think could stand to be phased out for a couple of days? Um, you know, anybody who think deserves more minutes at this point? Well, I, the way I'm looking at it, like I, I haven't been overly impressed with Markeef. I would mm-hmm. say he's been a little bit too inconsistent from what I like to see, especially from, you know, the, the, the shooting prospect, like, you know, I think he's only shooting 30, 32 or 32, right about 32%. Yeah. yeah like, if, you know, from, from beyond the arc. Uh, but again, I, I think Vogel's doing it right, you know, and, and, and you heard LeBron say before the season that, you know, he wanted another month off and, and the league decided to go right before Christmas there. And, and so they went with it. So I think it's, I think Frank Vogel's doing it right. I, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, like I said, I'd like to see Marquise Morris play better. Uh, Wesley Matthews, I think obviously it's just a guy you're, you're, you're hoping who comes in, comes in, doesn't really kill you. He's not going to win you the game necessarily. He's not going to lose mm-hmm. you the game necessarily. Um, so no, I, I think he's doing the right thing. Keep these guys fresh. Um, you don't want to see LeBron and AD playing 38 minutes a night when, you know, ne- not really not necessary at this point. So exactly. I, I wouldn't say right now that there's somebody I'm looking at phased out. I want to see more from, from Morris. Um, but I, I'm not too worried about that. He's been around forever. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not too concerned that he's going to get, he will eventually kind of find his footing. Why is there, is there someone you're looking at that you're like, maybe this guy shouldn't be getting as much time out there? No, I mean, I, I don't really care for the Markeith Trez minutes uh, just because like, I think defensively they're a little bit redundant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to see Caruso get more minutes. And so it seems like it has to come at the expense of that lineup, you know? And so you, you take out Keith, you put in Caruso and all of a sudden I feel like that five makes a lot more sense. Um, but like today, you know, the bucks are a little bit bigger and it didn't really hurt the Lakers to have that weirdo jumbo lineup in, you know, with a second unit, but there are other teams where second units tend to be a little bit smaller, right. Tend to be a little bit faster and that lineup can be exposed. So I'm kind of with you in that sense. Like I, I would like to see Alex getting more minutes. I would like to see honestly, KCP getting more minutes. Um, and that has to come at the expense of something. And it just seems like that would have to be either key for Trez and it's not gonna be Trez. So it's key. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I just think right now it just, it's going to take some time and, and, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see, um, you know, what, how that rotation figures itself out. But again, that's something that, you know, we talked about on, on the pod a few times, I think last season too, was, Hey, they got the, they have the advantage that they don't necessarily have a set, you know, these guys are coming in at this time and this time for every opponent where, you know, I, I see that with the Warriors and this is mm-hmm. our rotation. This is what we're doing. But with the Lakers, it's been like Frank Vogel's like, dude, I got like five other veterans on my team who completely know what they're doing. They're proven NBA guys. So, you know, I'm going to go with wh- whoever's kind of working for me at that time. So I think that's where, um, it's an advantage for the Lakers. And I think that in, in a, in a season like this, where you're going to be playing a little bit more, you're playing back to backs, you know, a lot more often and you're, you're, you're basically, uh, 
you know, traveling and, and, you know, with all the restrictions and, and this and that where uh, guys might get burnt out, especially mentally. We heard Paul George say that in, you know, during the, uh, his time in the bubble, that it was hard mentally and, and to, to kind of stay focused and stay with it. So I, I think it's going to be an advantage for the Lakers that they can basically run 10 guys out there and be like, cool, man, whatever one year I'll playing good, go ahead and do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that flexibility is something that we praised Vogel for last year. And it's something that I once again enjoyed this year, even if it means we have to go through some combinations that are ugly in the process. Yeah, well, there you go. And you know what? We'll wrap up. We'll wrap up the podcast on that because we just talked about a little bit how we got into a little bit of disagreement there. And now we're in agreement. We're, we're going to wrap this <laughs> one up. Are you working on anything, Sabrina, for, for Silver Screen or Roll that we should know about? Or are you just kind of doing game coverage generally for the for the next few? Uh, yeah, next I mean, I, I've got my weekly column coming out on Fridays, so something will be dropping tomorrow, you know. Haven't quite decided what it is yet. <laughs> okay, you're not gonna. It's gonna be a secret. So make sure you guys check that out. Silverscreenroll.com tomorrow. Uh, Sabrina always does a great job with with all her pieces. So like I said, you can do that there. And don't forget as well, subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. I know Harrison always appreciates a five star review. If you don't want to, if you don't want to give us five stars, don't even bother leaving this one. I'm just kidding. Um, that does it for this episode. We'll catch up with you all again next week. <laughs>